Welcome to Volunteer Connection, the podcast for Girl Scout troop leaders. What's beautiful about Girl Scouts is that it takes girls outside of their comfort zones and encourages them to learn and grow and change the world. But Girl Scouts doesn't just do these great things for girls. It does the same things for the adults in the movement, too. This podcast is to celebrate those amazing adults, to share lessons learned, advice, and best practices, and to tell their stories. Here we go, part three of the deep dive into year planning. In case you missed it, there are two other episodes before this that are steps one and two. Step one is all about setting up the foundation of your calendar. It's the easiest part of year planning, but it will make you feel so productive and organized and on top of things. So you definitely want to start there. And that's something you can do right now. Well, okay. If you're listening to this while you're driving or working out or something, then obviously, no, you can't do it right now. But you can do it when you have about an hour or so of dedicated time. Maybe you can do it even quicker than that, depending on how much you need to put on there. But go listen to that episode after you finish this one and start there. Then step two was to start brainstorming. So we started a big old document or a big old handwritten list of all the crazy fun things we could do with the troop or you could do with your troop. This could be and probably should be, if you have a returning troop, ideas the girls have suggested or things you did as a kid, things other troops are talking about or things that you've heard of other families doing or things you've always wanted to do with your family or whatever. It could be things you've heard me mention on this podcast. Um, you could Google or Pinterest for ideas and, of course, flip through the Girl's Guide to Girl Scouting and the Journey Books. But basically, this is the perfect step to grab a bottle of wine with your co-leader or with some of the more involved parents in your troop. Although, depending on how many of you there are, maybe you'll need two or three bottles of wine. And just think of all the craziest, biggest, most fun and adventurous ideas you can come up with. If it's just you, or of course, if you aren't a wine drinker, or if you and your co-leaders like to divide and conquer, then this is also a step that can be totally done separately at first, because you can all be adding your own ideas and searching around the internet and talking to people and just getting really creative. So in that episode, we specifically talked about what kinds of things you could brainstorm, where to look for ideas, and how to format your list for maximum productivity and organization, which is really going to help you in these later steps. So go check out that episode if you haven't already, or if you need a re-listen. And like, have fun, because in my opinion, that step is probably the most fun. Although, I like steps three and four a lot as well. Okay, Now you have a whole brainstormed list of ideas at this point when you're starting step three. So let's go ahead and dive into step three. This part is research. Now you need to figure out how to implement the ideas you came up with in step two. So like you're gonna have to research the cost, the location, the time of year, and maybe reach out and talk to someone and ask some questions depending on what it is. The research part you might be able to delegate instead of doing it while sitting together at a planning meeting with other volunteers. Um, So some things you can research together would be like, oh, yeah, that'd be a great spot to camp. How much does it cost to reserve a site? And you pull it up together. But if you're just like, let's do cabin camping somewhere we haven't taken the girls before. I was thinking X, Y or Z area. But you don't actually know what campgrounds are there or what the prices and availability are there. Then you're going to need to delegate. So. My recommendation is, regardless of how you do step two, together or apart, 
you come together for a group meeting to go through all the brainstormed ideas together, see what everyone is excited about, and then delegate who's gonna look up more information or follow up on different items on the list. If it's just you, then brainstorm till you feel like you're brainstormed out and then move on to research. If you don't really have any help leading your troop, then you might end up kind of fluctuating back and forth like brainstorming research, brainstorming research, brainstorming research. But I would just advise don't get too bogged down with research while you're brainstorming because the whole process will get a little muddier and that can be more overwhelming. So try not to let yourself get too far down the rabbit hole when you're in brainstorming mode. Brainstorm for a while and when you're ready to move on to a more like formal research step, then move on and try not to add too many new ideas after that point. The Girl Scout year is suddenly gonna seem really, really short the more you brainstorm and research because all of a sudden you're like, well, man, there's a ton of fun stuff we could do seriously. How are we gonna pack all of this into one year? And you really won't get through like a fraction of some really good ideas. So brainstorm till you're so excited, you wanna start feeling more planny and then just make yourself move on to research and put a kibosh on brainstorming. With a group or committee, it's a little bit easier. Well, okay, it's a lot easier in a lot of ways, but also there's definitely that saying about too many cooks in the kitchen. So you're still gonna have to establish boundaries around, okay, like this is a soft deadline for brainstorming. Like maybe let's all brainstorm and add stuff until say June 5th, and then no more new ideas after June 5th. Obviously, if something really exciting comes across your radar after June 5th, you can still add it because it's only Girl Scouts and you can do whatever you want. But the point of this how-to podcast series thing that we have going on here is to keep you from getting too overwhelmed and to keep you organized and productive. Also, with a committee or group, definitely be clear about your delegation. So personally, I recommend looking at the whole list together and then sort of determining who's going to look up what. In my troop this past year, my co-leader was really very good at like outdoor programming and environmental stuff. And also she's a lot more like health and exercise and nutrition focused than I am. So it was easy to have her focus on healthy living, sustainability or environmental and environmental stuff and outdoor stuff because there were only two of us. I primarily did everything else. Um, I mean, there were plenty of things we did together, but you get the point. So for the sake of research, we came together after brainstorming and went through each idea together, talking about what we wanted to do and why we thought it was interesting and exciting and what part of GSLE or what badge or patch or journey it would relate back to. So like, for example, let's say we were discussing campouts. It would kind of go like, wouldn't it be cool if we did one tent camp out this year and one cabin camp out? And we both agreed, yes, definitely, let's make it happen. We both agreed that it was a great idea from the brainstorming list. And since she's the camping guru out of the two of us, she took over the research for those items. Now, being totally transparent, we also had ideas about what parts of Arizona we were interested in camping in. And so we sort of talked through complications of weather and time of year, but then she took over the actual research. So we went through essentially a whole list of ideas and both took over research for different things. Then we came back together to share our research findings and to get back on the same page. 
So using the same example, the camping one, after we walked away from that meeting where we went through brainstorming and delegated, she went home and did a bunch of camping research. She looked at all the different campsites in the areas we talked about. She looked at campsites outside of those areas. She looked at time of year to camp and average temperature and the things that we would need to know about each campsite, like any restrictions on things you can and can't bring or can and can't do and so on. She looked at the cost of the reservation at each campsite, the cost per car to enter a park or to park there overnight, how far of a drive is it from our home base, and so on. And from there, she was able to really narrow down what campsites would actually be feasible for us. Our girls had never done a two-night overnight, so we wanted to be, at first at least, pretty close to home, and we also wanted to keep as low of a budget as possible. She then also took this time to research like what activities we could do camping at those different sites that she'd narrowed it down to, like what kind of hiking was nearby, were there any bodies of water with like organized kayaking or canoeing or anything like that, was there horseback riding nearby, etc. She looked at photos of the campsites on Google Maps and she found a site that's only like 30 to 40 minutes from where our trip is based with great hiking, really affordable campsites and just like beautiful, beautiful views. She found an actual site within the campground that was the closest to the bathrooms, and then she took really great notes about all of her findings. So the next time we met, she was able to tell me, this is my recommendation, here's what it costs, here's how far away it is, this is what the setup is like, and look, here's some photos of the hiking, and this particular site is the closest to the bathroom, see here on the map, this, is, this would be the site, and this is where the bathroom is. And the availability is like this, like it's it's booked until this date and then it's wide open from this date to this date. We don't really want to go later than that because this blah, blah. So we both kind of did those same steps with essentially our whole delegated lists. Um, so the things that we agreed to research based on our brainstorming follow up meeting. The potential danger here to look out for is that if you have more than one person and especially the bigger the group, the more ideas you can feasibly research. And so everyone is probably gonna get invested in actually doing the activities that they research. If you research a lot of ideas, then you are likely not going to be able to do all of them. So which ones you are actually going to follow through with will be determined in phase, the next phase, phase four, I think. Okay, so let's break down what research you should do to really make this as effective of a phase as possible. So you want to research cost for sure. You're going to be building out a budget in one of the future phases, so you definitely really want to understand all the costs involved. Now, if we're still using the camping example, this means you're going to consider the cost of parking, reserving the site, and maybe a little bit of the cost of equipment and supplies, but primarily you're going to do that part later. So right now, you really are just looking at the cost of the actual event. So if there's also the ability to do canoeing or kayaking at this campground, you know, with a certified instructor, then you can also go ahead and write down those costs. Or if there's horseback riding nearby, again, with a certified instructor, of course, then you can go ahead and write down those costs. But you don't need to be like planning the menu and plotting those expenses just yet. Um, if you're thinking of other events or activities, then that aren't camping necessarily, then you'll want the parking costs, the event costs, and so on. You also want to research the distance and the carpool situation. So how far away is it? Would this be a drop-off situation for parents, or would you need to organize a carpool? 
what time of day would you be arriving and departing? So maybe this is an activity that you specifically need to be there before lunch, or maybe you specifically need to do it after dark or whatever. You don't need to plot the whole itinerary, but if there are event times or peak times to be aware of, then you want to make sure you know that. If you want to go tour somewhere, you're going to need to contact them at this point to find out if there are specific days and times that tours are available or if they don't have an organized tour schedule. Um, but they're willing to make up a tour for you, then like, for example, a restaurant is not going to give you a tour in the middle of their like busiest lunch or dinner rush. So another thing you're going to want to research is the time of year or like specific dates that you can do this activity. So camping in Arizona, we can do year round, but it definitely varies uh, what part of Arizona you're going to want to go to. So in the winter, we want to be in the lower elevations, and in the hotter parts of the year, we definitely want to go to higher elevations because it gets really, really hot here in the Phoenix area. So this could go two ways. We know we want to camp in the fall, so we're going to consider weather patterns when we research campsites. Or we know we want to camp in this specific location, which happens to be high up in the mountains with lots of snowfall. So we know we either really need to camp in climate-controlled cabins, in order to go in the colder months, or we are definitely need, gonna need to go in the earlier fall or later spring. If you're looking at attending like, let's say a festival, then there are obviously gonna be designated dates for that. If you want to have a guest speaker come or you wanna go visit like a hobbyist or a professional something or other, then you'll want to contact them to see what times of the year are better for them. So like one year the girls in my troop wanted to support an animal rescue with their cookie proceeds. So we contacted a local horse and dog rescue and asked them, first of all, what they needed. And second of all, could we come by and spend the day there when we actually drop off our donations? And they said yes, but they really needed it to be at the end of April or beginning of May because of X, Y, and Z. So another thing you want to research is, do you have to reserve it? Do you have to buy tickets? Do you have to register? And so on. And if so, how far in advance do you have to do so? Some things you can just show up for and some things you need to reserve. And if it seems like something you need to reserve far in advance, like you check out the availability and they're booked out until January already, then you need to know that as soon as possible. Like, I don't know if you have this in your area, but we have a place called Feed My Starving Children where massive groups of volunteers can go pack sustainable food that gets sent to kids in countries all around the world who are facing like serious hunger and starvation issues. And okay, that's kind of a terrible explanation, but I didn't go look at their actual words for it, but you get the idea. Anyway, it's a really popular group community service event here. Corporate groups go, clubs, field trips, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, sororities, fraternities, groups of friends, families, etc., etc. And because it's so popular, people always want to go. So when we take our troop, we take our whole troop plus one guest per girl. And that means we end up with a group of like 30 plus people. And to schedule 30 plus people, especially on a weekend, we usually do need to schedule it out like six months or more in advance. And we do have to register online. Okay, another thing to keep in mind is some things are gonna be more ambiguous, like, I mentioned in the previous episode, maybe we want to visit a beekeeper or learn from beekeepers about the importance of bees. 
would be most cool if we could see bees and see them working with bees or something, but I don't know any beekeepers and I don't know anything about beekeeping. So I really don't know if that's feasible. And I also don't have a contact. So in the brainstorming phase, I might just put beekeeper. It's related to this journey and or this badge. And I might do a quick Google search of like beekeepers in Phoenix and just by observing their websites in a quick one, two minutes each, I'm going to have an idea of whether they seem like people we might want to contact to inquire further. So I'll jot down their websites on the brainstorming sheet, right? So now for the research part, we'll go revisit those sites that I jotted down and then contact those people. Basically, it's ambiguous because we're kind of like, hey, I'm Sarah from Scottsdale Girl Scout Troop 63. I have six girls in first grade who are working on an environmental badge this year where they're specifically learning about plants and animals. And I'd love to introduce them to the important role bees play in our world and how we can care for them. So is that something you might be able to help us with? I'm not sure what's appropriate. I don't know if they can come to you or if you can come to us. We typically meet Tuesdays from 6 to 7.30 p.m., but we can also set up like field trips or events on the weekends and so on and so forth. Now, if this is an email, you might choose how much you want to initially put in your email about what you're looking for. If you truly have no idea, you can be honest about that. Like, hey, my Girl Scout troop wants to learn about bees and why they're important, but I got to be honest, I don't know anything about bees. So I Googled you and your website is cool and you seem nice. Can you help us out or point us in the right direction? I generally think it's helpful to say that you are from Girl Scouts <laughs> to say that you are local because if you're reaching out to someone who's local then it helps to make that like connection and I like to tell them a little bit about like this is the badge we're trying to earn and here are some of the things we're looking to learn or some of the steps we're looking to complete because you don't want to put all of that work on them and also I kind of like to say this is why I thought you might be able to help because I think it shows that you did a little legwork before contacting them and also it's flattering. If it's by phone, then I'll obviously say less upfront, just start with the basic introduction of the same kind of information, but be like a lot more brief and concise because, you know, it's a conversation. So there's going to be like back and forth over the phone. And of course, if I'm leaving a message, it's kind of the same as email, except you want to keep it short and sweet. I know some of you listening are probably thinking, duh, I know how to leave a voicemail, but for those who feel like this part might be intimidating, I just really want to break it down so that it seems easy, because honestly, even though it might be out of your comfort zone to just call up a beekeeper and be like, hey, can I bring a bunch of kids to learn from you? It's actually amazingly easy, and establishing like, hey, I'm from Girl Scouts, and I'd love to bring my troop to XYZ, that actually holds a lot of water. Plus, it really looks good to reach out and make those connections in the community because like a hobbyist beekeeper in your local town or city probably has never been contacted by a Girl Scout troop before. So they may have no idea that Girl Scouts do more than just cookies, camp and crafts. So telling them what you're looking to do, they're automatically just going to be like, oh, wow, that's cool. Some people that you reach out to will have established programs. So you might reach out to a local bakery thinking, I bet I'm the first person to ever ask this. And they might respond to you and say, we offer a field trip package for kids, which includes XYZ experience, and it costs $30 per person. I mean, sometimes they even specifically say, this is the Scout program we offer, and it will earn X Boy Scout badge or Y Girl Scout badge, and it costs $30 per person up to eight people. And you might think, 
oh, that's reasonable and it's organized. They've done it several times before, so it's going to be like a real program and $30 per person seems totally reasonable. Or you might think, wait, $30 per person? Dag nabbit, I really fully planned on doing this at no cost. Or you might think, wait, only eight people? I have 14 girls plus adults. And so then you can kind of keep track of your notes um, and either just like nix the idea altogether or keep researching other people in the community who do something similar and reach out to them for comparison. Some people that you reach out to can't help you. They either won't respond or they'll respond that they're not available or they'll respond and say, no, thank you. They might hopefully at least give you a, some advice about an alternative, like maybe you invited them to your meetings on Tuesday nights and they're like, oh, actually I can't do Tuesday, but I could do Thursday. Or they might say, I'm gonna be out of the country for the next six months, try me again in the spring or whatever. I mean, obviously that's a really like exaggerated example, but you get the point. Sometimes they might say, but I know this really great resource that you should check out, or I have this really great colleague that I could introduce you to and point you in another direction. And of course, you can always politely ask for that information. Like, okay, thank you. Do you happen to know anyone who might be interested in helping us out with this? And or can you recommend any other great resources I should know about? And in general, I kind of almost always like to look at alternatives. Maybe Sue at work recommended this awesome family-oriented horseback riding lesson place, and so you look into it for your troop, and they're like, yes, $40 per person, these are our days of availability, and you can do it in all of these different months. And you're like, okay, that's exactly what I expected in cost. The days of the week work for us, and with so many different months that the program is offered, I mean, we can for sure fit it in somewhere, so that's great. I write that down, and I move on, right? Well, no. I like to look up at least one or two alternatives, usually two, and just see if anyone has a better cost or a better program offering. Maybe the first horseback riding place you called offers a one hour total program, but only five girls that can ride at a time. So each girl is only gonna get to ride for like 15 minutes because of your group size. But then maybe you find another place that's like $5 more per person, but they offer a 30 minute hands-on educational lesson-like part, and then a one hour trail ride for all participants. Like that's way better, even if it's further away and slightly more expensive. And if you just stopped at the first one because you were like, eh, sounds good, then you'll never know what else was out there right at your fingertips in the world of Google. <laughs> The only exceptions to this are people, because I don't like to reach out to someone, let's say a beekeeper, talk through a whole program we could do together, get them all invested in this idea, and then turn around and say, JK, I found someone else who has a better sense of humor, and they're also providing bee stickers for all of the girls, so have a nice life. Like, that's not a good community connection to be making on behalf of Girl Scouts. So I try to only reach out to one person at a time from a particular field and give them a few days to respond before I try another one. Maybe if I'm calling and they don't answer and I leave them a voicemail, maybe I'll go ahead and call the next person on my list as well. But then once someone calls me back, I just move forward with them unless it's a hard no on their end. Does that make sense? I mean, the point is still true. Maybe you reach out to a police aide that one of your troop parents put you in touch with, and they are perfectly nice and perfectly willing to meet with your troop and come to a specific troop meeting, 
But then another parent from your troop reaches out and says, hey, did you ever get in touch with any police officers? Because it's not quite the same, but my cousin's a special agent for the FBI, and I just found out she's going to be in town on those dates. And I mentioned it to her, and she said she'd totally come to that troop meeting to talk to the girls. I mean, that's actually a really enticing offer, so I might try to do both. Like, can they split the meeting time and each talk for half an hour? Or maybe depending on how your conversations have gone so far with the initial police aid, you might be able to pose an alternate date to her. But honestly, if you had trouble scheduling with that police aid and you finally settled on a date and you planned an hour program together, then I would definitely just recommend sticking with what you've scheduled. One, because you can make yourself crazy thinking that there are always more and more things you could be doing. And two, because in this example, the police aid is someone from your local community and you want to make sure you're establishing good, positive relationships and reputations of Girl Scouts with your local community, especially like a public servant or someone in law enforcement. Um, but anyways, you might be able to do both. And if so, cool. But don't go looking for something quote unquote better or more exciting after you already scheduled something with someone else. It's still gonna be great if you already scheduled something, promise. And to be clear, I'm not really recommending scheduling things at this point. Really, I'm just recommending reaching out and researching. So really at this stage, unless the person you reach out to is like, I am literally only available on this date, then you just wanna get an idea of time of day, day of the week, time of year. Is this something they are even interested in doing? And what's more appropriate, them coming to a troop meeting, and if so, are they generally available on your troop meeting days and times? Or are you going to them for like a field trip scenario? And if so, what day and time generally works and how far in advance would they need to have that scheduled? And like, do they need any additional approvals or do they have to follow any processes that they might need to do on their end? Like maybe they need to speak with a manager or they need a month's notice to get approval or something like that. Maybe they have tours that book up a certain number of months out, or maybe they're generally available anytime, but they already know that they're taking a Hawaiian vacation in September, so like those two weeks are not going to work or whatever. If they do say I'm available on X date specifically, then at this phase, generally my response would be to say, okay, let me talk to my troop and make sure they're all available on that date and then that they're gonna be able to show up. So is it okay if I follow up with you by such and such a day? And then reach out to your co-leaders if it's urgent. I honestly recommend doing this whole planning process over the summer if your troop meets during the school year because it's easier to balance when you're not also actively running your troop. But if your troop meets year round or if you wanna do this while you are still actively meeting with your girls so that you can also you know, check in with them throughout your planning process, make it a little more girl-led, then you can do this as early as the spring. I would not recommend waiting until the fall to start planning the year, seriously, because then you're gonna spend the whole year treading water. I've done it, and so I know what it's like, and it's not that it's wrong. Do things however you want, but I'm recording these episodes now in the spring so that you too can feel like you've mastered the Girl Scout year planning thing instead of feeling overwhelmed and drowning in Girl Scouts, because I think it helps with retention and generally just getting better at it every year. So that's why I recommend either starting to plan now or planning over the summer. Either way, well in advance. 
And so I bring this up right now because calling people or emailing people and being like, hey, is this something you might be interested in when it could be six months to a year before you actually are ready to schedule something with them might seem weird. And they might be like, yeah, I'm available Tuesday. And then you might be like, oh, actually, it's summer and we don't meet again until the school year starts. But I would probably say that initially or like up front, like put it in your initial email or mention it early on in the conversation that you're trying to get a feel for what's available and who can help you. And not so much that you're trying to pin down a concrete date. You're trying to figure out budgets and scheduling and you need time to give families advance notice and confirm girl RSVPs and so on. You can also mention that you're trying to be respectful of their schedule and give them plenty of advance notice so you're not calling people on like Monday saying, hey, can you come talk to, at a troop meeting tomorrow to like 20 girls about career opportunities in chemical engineering? Okay, thanks. Some things in the research phase, actually probably most things, you can find the information online. You can often find group rates or even specifically youth-oriented group rates and costs. And many like attraction type places have a plan your trip page on their website that will outline how far in advance you might need to make reservations or whether or not you can just buy tickets at the door and so on. You're also gonna find hours of operation and peak seasonal information and so on. It is almost always worth calling to inquire about group rates and specifically if there are rates for bringing a group of Girl Scouts, because some people do nonprofit rates or they don't publish their group rates or they have to work with their sales team to develop a quote for you. If they need to go work up a quote, then they might need more information like time of year, but that's a good time for you to be like, well, what do you recommend? What are your busiest times of year? What are the benefits of coming at a certain time of year over another um, or on a certain day or time of day over a different one or whatever? Or you might be able to use common sense on this, like, well, we're definitely going to do this activity when it's warm out, but not too hot and not too cold. So probably like September or April. What do you recommend? Like how far in advance do you work up quotes? Is September too soon? Is April too far? And so on. Just ask the questions and go ahead and have them work up a quote and then just take notes on everything they said. Quotes often expire, so it's possible that the quote they give you is not actually even going to be good anymore when you actually go to act on it to schedule something, but you're going to know, like, okay, this is what she quoted us for April, but she did say that prices are going to go up the closer it gets, so we just need to keep in mind that if we want to do it, we should book it sooner rather than later, or else we just need to keep in mind that the price is going to go as high as, like, X or Y. As for where to take the notes from your research, I recommend keeping as much as possible on the same brainstorming document that you were originally using, or at least for all of you to be putting your research in the same place, like the same folder or the same Google Doc or spreadsheet or Dropbox account. And that's why I really recommend Google Docs and specifically the spreadsheet option, which is, I guess, technically Google Sheets, except I think that's part of Google Docs like under the Google Docs umbrella, whatever, you get the point. A Google Sheet that's like an Excel file that's housed online because everyone can access it from anywhere with internet access, even on their smartphones, and you can all edit the same document, so it just keeps everything in the same place. However, of course, the more people who have access to edit the same document, the scarier it is that everything could be deleted or whatever. So, I mean, 
if you have a bigger group of people working on this, like more than three or four people, maybe you want to organize it by subject matter or by grade level or like each have your own brainstorming document, but just house them in the same folder online or whatever. I mean, or you could just trust people. <laughs> the good thing about Google Docs, actually, is that you can see previous versions. So if someone did type over what you typed or they accidentally deleted it, then you can go back and look at a previous version and see what you wrote before. It's just kind of hard to then consolidate versions, but you could save multiple copies at that point. Okay, I'm not trying to like school you on how to use Google Docs, and I'm also not trying to be like a salesperson for Google. I mean, it's free, so that'd be really unprofitable as an endeavor anyway, but it's just like, this is what I like. So I wanna be clear about why I like it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, okay, this episode is getting long. And you know what's really funny is like 10 minutes in, I was thinking, oh man, I don't know if I have enough to say about this specific step to make it into a whole full-length episode. This one might be short. Uh, just kidding. Hopefully this is helpful though. The next portion is gonna be getting together again. If you are working with a group and revisiting all your notes and research to start making some decisions and to start actually scheduling things out. So make sure if you aren't already subscribed that you take the extra second to subscribe so you don't miss that episode. If you haven't listened to steps one and two yet for year planning, go back and check those out now. I think you could probably jump in at this point and do it from here. But it would probably be, okay, it would definitely be helpful to start with the first two planning parts. I also have an overview episode that goes over the whole process, but it's just kind of a lot of information. So I thought that breaking down each step might be easier. So if you go looking for parts one and two, you're going to see the overview as well. That's all I'm saying. Okay, if you have any questions or suggestions, please reach out. You can join the Facebook group and post in there, or you can email me directly or leave a review. Of course, if you have questions, a review is probably not the easiest place for me to respond, but I still appreciate it if you think this is helpful or if you recommend it. Review the podcast, make sure you subscribe and share it with other Girl Scout volunteers. If you have co-leaders, share these planning episodes with them so that you're all on the same page. If you know other leaders, maybe new leaders who come to you with questions or whatnot, if you think this podcast is helpful, spread the word. You can find all my contact information and the Facebook link by going to www.girlscoutpodcast.com. Okay, talk to you soon. That's all for today's episode. We want to tell your story too. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, check us out at www.girlscoutpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. This podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. It is completely run by volunteers and girls. Follow us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.girlscoutpodcast.com.